We're live, and uh, first things first, I just want to know how you guys are doing. Luke, how's your ankle? Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, Ian looks pretty... No, 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 I want no, Luke. No, 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 no. I think I Ian's pretty... Oh, hey, all right, all right. Um, uh, yeah, doing good. We're back in uh, in Idaho right now, so we've just been hanging out for the holidays, but we're going to head back to, to Seattle pretty soon, so we're just chilling, having a good holidays, hung out with uh, old T during the holidays. So yeah, that was, that was uh, yeah. fun watching uh, fireworks. Yeah, what'd you guys even do? You guys didn't send me any pictures. Well, we uh, played beer die, quite a bit of beer die. <laughs> <laughs> and then we played, oh uh, well, no, we didn't play fireworks, but we watched them at a sky view. Uh, Luke's family had a bunch of fireworks. Not my family, to be fair, but uh, my wife's, well, my wife's just- family. Are they not your family now? Are they not your family? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I mean, I, I just want to, you listening. know, for the people listening to make the distinction. We may have just lost all Extended. 15 members of the Slimmer family. Yeah, that's a that's lot, vi- That's vital to our listener base. Uh, we should specify not your immediate family. Not immediate family. That is the correct term. Yeah. But you still love them. Absolutely. 100%. We had a great time, Ian. We missed you, but not really, you know, because screw you. It's, you left. It's kind, it's kind of a yearly tradition that I'm not around for the fourth. It is. Yeah. Yeah, you always so, you always dip out. Hey, but I'm consistent. I can't blame you. I can't blame you. Duty calls. I, I was literally up just in the call remember for the my fourths is me, Luke, and Connor, and then Ian is not there. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Distinct. I'm always working the fourth up at the bike shop in McCall, so that's what I was doing this weekend and had a little excitement uh, on my way down. More on that to come. Sure. Uh, but this weekend for me, honestly, was seriously just working. All day at the bike shop, Saturday, Sunday, and then any free chance I got, I was out on the trails riding. So this weekend was just bikes, bikes, bikes for me. I think I'm getting a little too old. My knee is starting to hurt. Joint pain is setting in. So that's no, just too much. To yeah, you're gonna yeah, you're old, gonna you're gonna need a an electric electric mountain bike. You know, just hit the. <laughs> mm, I I rode one a few weekends ago, effortless. Effortless. I didn't even shift <laughs> on the uphills. It was insane. Wait, that's an crazy. actual thing? I thought that was a joke. There's really an electric mountain bike? Yeah, electric assist. I yeah. mean, yeah. There, it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of iffy at the moment as far as like laws and regulation. And, and like if you can, as far as laws? It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's seriously, what it's, do you mean? Like, no, because yeah, it's like what's allowed on the trails. Because, you know, you have, you have hiking oh. trails where oh, like normal right, bikes yeah. aren't allowed. You have trails that like horses aren't allowed and it's like it's it's that sort of regulation like trail use so like the technology for electric assist mountain bikes came like super super fast so like the regulations and rules on that couldn't quite catch up with how fast the technology was growing so a lot of people view them as as motorized vehicles which they kind of are essentially but they're not quite as motorized obviously as like a motorcycle which really aggressively tear up trails so it's pretty controversial but they're a ton of fun you can't take your harley on the mountain biking trails (laughs) you can the question is that just seems non. that just seems exclusive you know what you can yeah, you have you pr- you have the ability too, but the question is, should you? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say no, personally. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was my weekend. Uh, just working at the bike shop, and then and then just hitting the trails around McCall. So. Awesome. Thanks. Well, I thought we should start the episode with a little bit. I'd like to call what's good in the hood.
Really what nice. Is good in the hood? Really nice What's title. Good in I like hood? that. The purpose of this is to get each of us to talk about something that's going on in our local vicinity. Now, at the time, Luke is in Nampa, but for this episode, he has uh, decided to share something from Seattle because that's where he usually hails from. So we're all going to share something from our local area. Luke's from Seattle, then me and Ian are both from the Treasure Valley. And so it's going to be kind of sort of local to the area. Um, this little story or a thought we had about something we saw locally. Uh, does anyone want to go first? I would love to go first. Please pick me up. Uh, okay, okay yeah, let's go. Please do. Please yeah, go. So to touch back on, on kind of what I was uh, saying before, uh, at the end of this weekend, it was like Sunday night, is when I uh, started driving da- back down to the valley. Um, I left about 730 uh, up in McCall. And then, you know, those big, huge like construction screens uh, that like. Also, for those of our listeners who don't know what McCall is, can you or where that is? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For for our Irish fans. For the Irish fans. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, So McCall is just a small little mountain resort town um, about two hours north of Boise here in Idaho. Um, but yeah, as soon as I left town, uh, driving back down, uh, there's one of those big electronic construction signs that said, uh, there's an accident, uh, south of Banks, which is like an hour and a half drive from McCall, um, in the Canyon. And I was like, uh, it should be fun by the time I get there. I was going, 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 came across another sign like that. I wasn't looking better. I got down in, uh, into the Canyon about halfway which is just a small little two-lane highway that goes along the river. Um, I eventually caught up with traffic, and I was at a standstill for like over an hour. Um, It was crazy. Like traffic as far forward as I could see, as far behind me as I could see. There were legit people that were like pulled over in like the dirt shoulders of the road next to the uh, river. They were just like camping out for the night because it was going to take so long. They're pulling out fishing poles. They were getting ready. Yeah. People were fishing. Like I saw, I saw people throwing discs. I, I seriously saw uh, a group of people playing cornhole just on the shoulder of the highway. Yes, like, it was kind of, it was crazy. It was crazy. Did um, you get out? No, nah, I didn't get out. Okay. I didn't get out. But the car in front of me, there were some people that were walking up and down, uh, looking or like trying to get answers for how long it's going to be shut down. Um, and I overheard that someone said it was going to be like three more hours until the highway was open again. Um, so I just headed back, uh, for the night. I didn't go down to like the next morning, but I looked into it. Um, apparently South of Banks, Idaho, um, some car flew over the embankment and like drove into the river. So emergency responders were tending to that emergency, trying to get the car out, save the passengers, this and that. And it was just brutal, brutal. But uh, the other direction out of McCall as well, kind of more towards Riggins and New Meadows, there was a massive oh, yeah. landslide. Oh, I um, saw that. I've seen the video of that. The yeah, video is insane. Video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, my gosh. It's ridiculous. It's, I think the dimensions of the landslide itself, uh, according to this article, is 120 feet roughly long and 40 feet deep of rocks and boulders and like some of the biggest boulders are like the size of small houses and apparently it's still an active rock slide landslide so like crews can't even get in there to clear it it's not stable yet so this see the video in the link below (laughs) 
<laughs> Go and yeah, check the, video the uh, show notes for the link. Um, yeah, insane. So yeah, I was like this weekend, I was trying to get back down to Boise back home for work this week. Uh, and I was quite literally trapped in McCall, just no which way. isn't the worst place to get trapped in the world. But um, it's just like just chaos around just with, with car accidents and, and some natural quote unquote natural disasters type stuff. But yeah, it was eventful. That's what do you mean? Just quote natural disasters. What do you, you have a theory? Well, natural disasters. There's is some like, sort of <laughs> somebody, somebody made it happen. I'm not, convinced. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe it was Tanner. I don't know. But no, it wasn't like a massive thing, but it definitely, it, it definitely affects the community, community in a big, big way. So that's, and, that's, that's what's happening in my hood. So, okay. But also, I want to just touch on something else about McCall that I just really quickly wanted to get your feedback on because I've heard. It's kind of just wild there with like, because it's like that peak tourist season, you know, oh, like geez. that, like that's what yeah. McCall thrives on. But then also with like COVID going on, like, what is it? I heard it's just kind of like nuts up there oh, with gosh. like trying yeah, to balance it's, those. It's crazy. And like work, working at the bike shop, you know, we have bike rentals and kayak rentals, paddleboard rentals. So like we're a very touristy heavy business up there as well as just bike repairs and, and, a, and an adventure gear shop in general. Um, and like, we're always super, super swamped the past, like four or five years minus last summer. Um, I've always been there working on the fourth and it's just chaos. People renting boats left and right. People renting bikes, this and that heavy traffic, uh, surprisingly up at the shop where I was all day this whole weekend. Um, it really wasn't that busy. Like foot traffic was consistent, but we didn't really, really have many rentals. I only had to go down to the beach to help some customers like twice. Um, so people weren't really going into shops. It didn't seem like too, too much, at least ours, but the beach itself was crazy. The beach itself was crazy. I think the city of McCall enacted like a mandatory mask order. So, so like, both inside and outside public areas, you had to wear masks, oh, uh, or else if you're caught, it's like a hundred dollar fine. Is yeah, what I was told, good. but no, as you could guess, no one at the beach, no one actually was yeah. wearing masks. There were two police officers that were like patrolling the beach. They Doing were wearing gloves, but they no, were they didn't masks. even have masks on. <laughs> so I was so confused. But yeah, people were just packed on the beach, and I was wearing a mask twenty four seven, keeping my distance from everyone wash my hands constantly and everything I came in contact with. So I was like definitely nerve wracking going up. Um, but you know, people, people are, they go to McCall for vacation. So they, they're yeah. there to have fun and it's kind of hard to escape that mentality. But for the most part, a lot of people were pretty respectful of like the mandatory masks to enter buildings and stuff. But like outside was kind of a free for all. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing what's good in your hood, Ian. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> now, would someone please ask me what's good in my hood? Tanner, what is good in your hood, sir? What's good in my hood, you ask? <laughs> Have you ever heard of Biagio Adornetto's underground barber shop? <laughs> I sure haven't. You haven't? All right. I have not. Well... Uh, I was reading an article about it. It's this guy. He's a barber, Italian man. It was a barber shop in Boise, and he has some fun little tidbits about the place. No walk-ups or drive-ins. By appointment only. Adornetto works works six days a week, and he works fast. One chair, one guy, no riffraff, says a client. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're the type who prefers a little riffraff at your hair salon, 
I can't don't, in good faith recommend. <laughs> I can't in good faith recommend Adornetta's. You can't go to Great Clips. <laughs> anyway, he ran. He runs his business out of a closet, which is kind of interesting. So apparently, uh, he rented this place. And he decided to start a barbershop there. And it was not like supposed to be for a business. It's kind of residential. And he's asked the landlord, he's like, can I start a barbershop here? And the guy's like, yeah, you can. Sure. But it's kind of a terrible spot for a business. He's like, I don't care. Because in the closet, there are no windows. So in Adornetto's own words, (laughs) he says, I can't see the sun. I don't know if it's raining, snowing, nothing. He's just in this box giving people haircuts. Have you tried to, did you try to book an appointment? Is he booked up? I mean, does he, does he get well, in business? I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So, oh, okay. uh, the close, like, it's kind of a small place. And so the close quartered intimacy I mean, is just fine for his customers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they don't mind it at all. Apparently, according to the article and, uh, one client who spoke on terms of anonymity, John D I haven't had a bad haircut in eight years. He said, wow. Yeah. Psych. That's. This is a flashback. I was reading this article, and I learned at the end of the article that this article was actually written in 2016. However, the reason I read it today is because they revisited with Biagio Adornetto. Oh, we got four years update. later. Okay. So this is all from four years ago. Do you want to know where he is now? Yeah, I'm hoping the best for Biagio. Some skyline. He is in the exact same place. He's still doing the same stuff. <laughs> He's oh, doing the haircuts God. in the closet. No, no, but however, he can't he's in kind of lockdown like everyone is and so he hasn't been able to serve any of his clients and he's in his own words he's itching to serve his clients again what am i supposed to do go around i'm starting to get crazy (laughs) now if you think about it we've got an aging italian man spending hours in the darkness and he's admittedly getting a little stir crazy oh boy i don't know about you guys i'm not sure i want this guy Holding a razor blade near my head and neck area. <laughs> oh gosh! Here's what, what we really need, Tanner, is a follow up where you actually go get a haircut from Biagio <laughs> and and you tell your experience in the podcast. That's okay, definitely that be our next guest. That would be He's he, our next guest. Probably Biagio. a good guest. He's an immigrant. He lives in a barber shop. Essentially, it would be pretty cool. I think it'd be a good awesome. guest. So I'll try and get into contact. But and I also have a second story. This one's a little shorter. But basically, as you guys know or probably heard. Uh, there was an earthquake in Idaho in March. It was pretty big. And yeah, I felt it. I felt it. Yeah. I was here, actually. Scared a lot. A lot of us were scared. A lot of us were scared. <laughs> and the geologists, the Idaho geologists, they don't really know a lot about the geology here in terms of the fault lines and stuff because they don't get as much funding here as places like California. Because California is, you know, you know, way better and cooler and they get all the funding. They also have and a so, lot of earthquakes. And they have a lot of earthquakes. <laughs> Makes sense. And as I was reading this article, I kind of got the vibe that the Idaho geologists are a little salty with the California geologists. Oh, and they okay. get all the money. They get all the fame. There was a movie called San Andres all about they named a whole city after a fault line in California. That's how much more popular they are. <laughs> Imagine if there was a movie called the Stanley Lake. The fault. Stanley Lake. <laughs> no one would watch it. No one would care. But anyways, I'm not going to lie to you. This article is not very interesting. It'd be more interesting if they were talking about California faults because there's a lot more going on there. (laughs) But the salty Idaho geologist estimates that there's a 99% chance of us having another earthquake of magnitude 3 or higher over the next month and a 12% chance of having an earthquake of magnitude 5 or higher 
Now, yeah, but when was that? When was that written? Was, was it written when the earthquake happened? It was written recently. recently. They've oh, been okay. studying it since. But I will say this: I'm not saying that he's lying about the numbers, <laughs> but he may be exaggerating a bit to impress the California geologists. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to take his moment while he gets it. You know? Like I wouldn't be surprised if he was flubbing the numbers a little bit to garner attention from the national geology community. So we were looking at a definite. We we're looking at a definite uh, 5.0 magnitude coming in. Yeah, yeah. They, they, we had one earthquake in Idaho, and these geologists are just trying to capitalize on it. Um, I mean, yeah, they've been waiting their whole life for this one earthquake. So they have. Every I year, they get to watch the California geologists go on the TV and talk to reporters, and the Idaho geologists get to sit there and watch. Yeah, I, I just looked up real quick, uh, just like Idaho fault lines, and one of the first articles that came up was from 2010. So, do so you think I'm lying? Out here. No, 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 I'm just saying. Oh, they oh okay. The Idaho geologists have a tough They're just not putting much out there. Because my article is from 2012. Hey, hey, hey. This is the gem state, though. So Your article's from 2012. See, no, that shows not. you no, how no, little. No. Oh, okay. no, it's, like, it's from 2020. <laughs> okay, good. This is from yesterday. But. Anyway, that, that's what's good in my hood. That's what's good oh, in man. your hood. I like that. Luke, what's hey, good Luke. in your hood? <laughs> you guys really want to know what's good in, in my Seattle hood? Mm-hmm. I not be um, mad at it. I've got a real doozy of a story here. It's gained national attention, so maybe you've, you've heard some about it, but I just wanted to I wanted to delve into it. Um, you may know of the, uh, the University of Washington, rather large institution there in Seattle. I've heard of it. The old alma There's uh, unfortunately and just shockingly been a uh, a large um, outbreak of COVID on on Greek Row in at UW. I'm, it's it's been really surprising for everybody. Obviously, that's surprising. But here's what happened. They so apparently the outbreak happened after 1,100 Greek Row students returned for the summer, and because the, I mean the. Like the Greek row housing is all like privately owned. So like the school can't tell them like, no, you can't come here. Um, they can give them like guidelines what they want them to follow, but they can't tell them like they can't come. So 1100 Greek row students returned for the summer to, um, to, to the Greek row there. And two weeks after that, this outbreak happened, there's a hundred and like, I think it's like 150 people just from Greek row who have been tested positive for, for Corona now. And if you know about, uh, about COVID, the incubation period for Corona is exactly, you know, it's in, in around two weeks. So that means they started transmitting it to each other immediately. As soon as they got back, there was no, there was no period. It just, it just started right away. And so I, I have a feeling that UW knew this was coming. They like UW medicine immediately set up a, a testing center on like the street of Greek row for the, for the people, because I, they must've known this is going to happen. <laughs> and so apparently, funny. Apparently they have they've done thirteen hundred tests this week at that one at that testing center that they put next to Greek Row. Yeah. Jeez. Um, and I thought the, this article that I read the uh, it was like one of the heads of like you know the the fraternity fraternity system at UW he said that many are asymptomatic and that can cause some complacency. And I just I thought that complacency was a pretty uh, pretty kind word for for, this, for for what they're doing. They're just being they're just being a little bit complacent, you know. No big deal. Just a little complacency um, from they're these kids. Ragers. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so here, yeah, a little story about what's been seen there. There's this in the article it said that they, there was students gathered on a frat house deck for a birthday party. It was a lot of them. I can't remember how many. And uh, at first, they were all initially wearing masks, you know, doing their due diligence. But uh, surprisingly, uh, all those masks quickly came off. With one student reporting, it's hard to beer bong and do body shots with a mask on. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a false quote. I made up that quote. Oh, dude, dude, It's tough. But I, I would, I, yeah, I would, I would guess that 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 could be a very true quote that they just decided not to put in. One of my favorite parts about this is um, the response, the response from UW. UW's president, after this outbreak, um, she said the university is trying to develop some sort of honor code that will encourage students to say something when a fellow student fails to follow health recommendations. So essentially, they're, they're setting up an honor code for the, uh, you know, the, the frat houses and, and the sororities that if you see your buddy not following the health codes, you can you can now anonymously, you know, report him. So that should probably fix their problem. Um, they'll probably, they'll probably work well in, in that, in that environment. I think where you just, <laughs> as long as nobody knows, I think people will report each other. <laughs> anonymous anonymous tip line for the masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and another thing that I liked out of this article that I thought was hilarious is that, um, it said that health experts believe the virus took root and spread fast on Greek Row. The only reason they gave is because it's dense housing. The houses are uh, like close together and there's lots of people in them. So they gave the primary reason as the houses are just too close together, <laughs> which I thought was also just a bit ridiculous because that's clearly not going to be your problem when they're throwing parties and spreading the virus the literally immediately. Like... <laughs> So I just thought it was just in reading about it, I thought it was pretty funny. They were uh, in my in my mind, they're being a little too kind to the students. But I don't, I don't know what you guys think about that. But yeah, that response is probably just PR stuff trying to look good on the university front. But yeah, yeah. that's terrifying. It's uh, shows you shows you what it'll probably be like if colleges go back in person. But I just love the, res- the UW response of, you know, we're going to set up a system where they can uh, rat out each other. And I think yeah. that'll, that'll save it. That'll make it all, that'll make it better. <laughs> Tattling will save the day. <laughs> Chad, did you call me in, bro? <laughs> what the heck, man? Did you see me at Stephanie's house last night? <laughs> Without a mask? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Gosh. So that's uh, that's that's what's good in in my hood, or what I thought was you know relevant at, at this time. Well, thanks, Luke. That was awesome hearing about what's good in your guys' hoods. Are you guys ready to start the podcast? Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get right into it. Thanks for um, listening in again for this episode of the podcast. Um, hope that everybody's doing well. We just want to say again, thanks for all your feedback. Please keep sending that in and, and sending in your questions as well to the Absurd Mailbag. You can find that on our Instagram page, um, which is just the name of the podcast, at the Thoughtfully Absurd. So we'd love to hear more from you. This week, we are going to be talking about um, 
just some 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 things about ourselves kind of let you get to know us a little bit better and also um kind of some things that we think are beneficial we're going to be really kind of talking about our hobbies a little bit some of the things that we enjoy doing and some of the benefits we see of of having hobbies um kind of outside of your maybe your work or other responsibilities um so we're going to just we're going to get right into that um and being so psychologically minded, when I think about hobbies, uh, I immediately go into some of the psychological benefits of them. Um, I know that there's studies that have found, you know, having engaging in more frequent like uh, leisure activities that are that are kind of pleasurable is it's been linked to all sorts of things like greater uh, positive affect, which is basically just more positive emotion, things like life satisfaction, life engagement. And also lower levels of depression and, and lower cortisol levels and, and better sleep. So there's plenty of research out there showing how, how beneficial it is to even for just an hour a day do do something that you find to be kind of leisurely and, and pleasurable like a like a hobby. And something that I like to talk about when when I'm talking about hobbies, and I'll kind of get into some examples with my own, is your hobbies don't have to just be something that you do um, to kind of escape and to be fun. I think that's a great, a great um, way that hobbies work um, and a good use for them. But also, I think that you can apply the lessons of whatever hobby it is to your life and to your um, even to your career as well. So to kind of give an example of that, one of my hobbies is 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 writing poetry. I enjoy doing that kind of in my free time, just as like a creative expression. Um, so the way that I try to apply the lessons of poetry to, I mean, outside of that is, I mean, when you're writing anything, really, you're kind of free to be creative, um, but you also have to be kind of patient and intentional when you're doing that. So I think as well as having your hobby be something that um, is kind of an escape and a good way to de-stress, um, you can also take some discipline from it, I think, and those things that you learn through your hobby, you can apply those to the rest of your life as almost like you're practicing those skills while you're unwinding, which I think is something that's really cool about hobbies. Um, a lot of people kind of think it's just a way to kind of get out of your mind and they're not like as useful. They're just a good way to like de-stress, but I think they can be super useful in practicing skills. And I think you can find that in just about any hobby really. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I know Ian's Ian, you're into a lot of creative stuff. So I was wondering if you have kind of some, some similar, similar ideas with, um, I mean, you do a lot of creative stuff for your work, but also I think, I think your hobbies are also pretty creative, um, in their own ways. And maybe some of the like lessons that you pull in 10 or two, some of the lessons you can, you maybe pull from your hobbies that draw into the rest of your life. And they're kind of skills that you can actually practice while you're doing these leisure activities. Man, you know, I'd love oh, to yeah. hear the artistic expression of mountain biking. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see if I can tie them in together. Ooh, uh, yeah, let me think on that for a second. Um, as far as like artistry and creativity in general, I think, if I may be as bold to say, I think creativity is essential for everyone. I think that's what that's what makes us as humans, us as people, so unique is, is we have the ability to create, to imagine, to dream. Um, and why waste that? It can, for me, especially, it's so life-giving, but creativity can take shape in so many different forms. Like, for me, my career being graphic design, um, that's, creativity is my way to support myself and my livelihood 
and make money and all that jazz. Um, so it's very practical for my life. Um, and at first, but like, as far as passions and hobbies, um, I have a lot of kind of side projects that, that are kind of coming down the pipeline and working on my own, uh, personal illustration hobbies, this and that. Um, I think as far as art and creativity, I don't want to limit this to just art. I think creativity in general is such a useful tool to kind of give you a new perspective on life and really view the world around you in a radically different way. And I think each principle of creativity, whether that's art, like drawing or painting or sculpting, or if it's writing, storytelling or poetry. Um, creating music. It, or creating yeah. music. Or mountain biking. Or mountain biking. <laughs> There's creativity in literally every single aspect of our life, I think, and I'm a firm believer in. Um I remember I kind of had this light switch moment, probably I think it was freshman year of college, um, which was my first real exposure to art and design and creativity in general is, is my first art history class and just studying the works of great artists of history and kind of how their work was still applicable to our lives today. So future, um, I think creativity teaches us so much about ourselves and the world around us and is so valuable to our own existence and experience as people and can connect us as a community as well. I, I think creativity is something that everyone should practice, even if it's as simple as doing a little doodle a day or something or, just, or writing your thoughts or even journaling or something. So just being intentional about creating something in general can be just so life-giving in a lot of different ways, I think. Would you like to challenge our listeners to a doodle a day? Yeah, go ahead and, uh, if you want to just doodle once a day, uh, go ahead and DM us your your Send us your, your doodles for sure, yeah. And we'll, we'll share them on our Instagram. <laughs> you can get tagged, be famous. Um, yeah, no, seriously though, practice creativity. It's important. We have 100 followers. If you send we us a doodle, really, we might share that's that. Gonna be, that's going to be a, that's gonna a be lot of eyes. doodles to look through. I'm it's 200 to eyes on it. It's 200 eyes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I think I, I bring up the creativity because I think a lot of hobbies tend to manifest themselves in pretty creative ways. I, obviously, that's not like a, not every hobby is a creative hobby. I mean, I also like to, like, I also like to go play basketball, which is just like, kind of, for me, just like a the basketball is an art, dude. Uh, it is no, and I I also agree that there you could you could argue that, and I know you're joking, but it is. No, I'm I'm kind of serious, but I'm kind of joking. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I think I mean I think you could argue that, but for me, it serves more of a purpose of being like a, you know, something I like doing as an exercise, and it's also you know, it's just something I enjoy doing, and it's like a little bit more mind like mindless. I don't want to say mindless, but it's it's kind of like that for me as just to like more of an escape sort of thing. But like I was talking about earlier, there's a lot of things about basketball that I also like they're generalizable skills for me in my everyday life, whether it's, you know, yeah, effort or, or, you know, learning new skills or being able to react to situations. So I think for me, that's something I'm, I've been trying to be a little bit more intentional about is in my hobbies, what are those skills that like I can transfer over into my actual life? Um, and, and I think it's, when I start thinking about it, like there's so many different connections you can make. Um, and I think that creativity happens a lot in those. So that's why I bring it up, but there's, you know, certainly lots of other things. I'd like to hear Tanner's uh, take on creativity and your experience with it. Cause I know you're just like 
very kind of recently getting into music production. And you know I'm super creative. You're probably the most creative. You're my creative inspiration. (laughs) Um, Okay. That's one of the first, like... For me, it's Billie Eilish. That's one of your serious... Billie Eilish. (laughs) One of your most serious, like, creative endeavors, is it not? Yeah, well, I used to draw pictures on my phone, but, uh, yeah, I'd say next to that, this is definitely the most creative thing I've ever done. (laughs) No, the weird thing about uh, doing the music, I will say, like... I'll say specifically about music, but maybe it applies to everything. Because I feel like... When I've started making music and I've like started to notice things about how, you know, a song isn't good because it has one part. It's good because it has like six parts that all fit together perfectly and they complement each other. And I've noticed like I've noticed that like same thing in everything. Like I've started to notice in like art and graphic design. It's not because they use like one color really well. It's because they used all the colors and like tandem together with each other. And I notice it in cooking how I notice how. It's not just the meat that's good. It's the meat and then the spices that complement it and then the side dish that helps you taste the different parts of the main meal. I've started to notice how... Look at this guy making cooking. I love it. Although I don't cook. It's more observations, not in practice. (laughs) It's just observations. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you cook. You just don't cook often. Anyways. Okay. (laughs) You're on your way. No, no, no. It's a compliment. I've also noticed that I've been even doing things like I've been writing code and I'll think this is like a similar concept to something I do in music. Like, and when you're making a song, there's often a process. First, you kind of arrange the song and uh, then you would mix it and then you'd master it. And I'm still learning these things. So please don't take my word as expert advice because I know nothing. But (laughs) essentially, when you get to the mastering stage, which is the final stage, all you're really doing, really doing is just messing with the volume of the individual noises. You're not changing the noises. You're not... Uh, you're not adding any new nuances. You're basically just taking what you already have and just adjusting volume. And I've noticed that same thing when I'm writing code. I'll be writing, like I'll be adding a feature. And there's a certain point where it's like, okay, I can't improve on the feature itself. I can't improve on like what it's actually going to do in terms of like if I'm trying to write some, if I'm writing a piece of code that converts US dollars to British pounds, there's a certain point where I have to just like, okay, the feature itself converting from dollars to pounds is done. Now I just have to focus on what it looks like, extra things. And um, just overall feel and don't try and change the way it does what it does. Just focus on the kind of the, the overall, the high level idea of what it is. And that's what I feel. I feel like I have, I made like a parallel in my head when I was mastering a song thinking, Oh, this is the same thing as when I'm writing code. And like all of a sudden I'm done writing the, like I'm done writing the bulk of the code. Now it's just like fine tuning little details. And it was just interesting to me how for some reason in my head, there was a parallel between a process in music production and a process in, software development and then like i said in other things as well like notice parallels were just the creative process and how why things are good or not good is there's like a similar idea behind it all like a mixture of varying ingredients that all kind of mix together and make one whole thing good gestalt yeah Wait, what? gestalt we can get into all kinds of gestalt on a. What is gestalt? We could have a whole gestalt episode coming from like an art perspective and from a psychology perspective. That would be fascinating. So, Tanner, the definition of gestalt, as according to Google, so I don't mess it up, an organized whole that is perceived as many, an organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. So it's kind of how like the parts contribute to the whole. In a, in a ways. And that can be applied to psychology. That can be applied to design, especially, is what I'm most familiar with. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what you're saying. Interesting. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, there's exactly that. like there's a whole there's an entire branch of of like gestalt psychology. That was like a movement in psychology that yeah works on those basic principles that you know perception is is about you know parts parts being and then parts making the whole. So, but yeah, like I said, man, your hobbies your hobbies connect more to like your other things in life more than we think. And I think, I think people like too much. They're like, they see hobbies as being like non-productive a lot of the time. Like they're, there's something, Oh, that's something I just do for fun. Like that's something I do to get away. But I I think we don't realize enough, like how productive those actually are and how we can apply, we can apply like the things that we're learning in our hobbies in other parts of our life. And also because you're learning skills while you're doing your hobbies, you know, and you're also doing something that you enjoy because, I mean, typically, obviously, your hobbies are things that you enjoy. And so when you're learning those skills, when it's something that you enjoy, it's like it, it's, re- it's positively reinforcing to you. So you are going to learn them better and you're going to and you're going to work on those skills like it's going to be more learned in your in your psyche because you're being positively reinforced for it. So I think I think just in my mind, we underestimate how useful hobbies can be and how they're not just oh, something I do for fun or you know, something I do on this side, but they're actually pretty productive, um, in a, a really important way. And I mean, even like I, I told, I said before, there's so many different positive outcomes that come from even just a little bit of them every day. Yeah, no, I'd completely agree. It's, it's kind of like what I had touched on last episode, uh, for the quarter life crisis. Um, it's, it's, it'll kind of take you off guard, but like your hobbies and your passions are what kind of directly contribute to your livelihood your quality of life um like when i didn't have my bikes in nebraska i was thankful i could find one that some good friends of mine lent me um but that was just kind of stripped away from me in like a day i didn't have the trails i was used to riding i didn't have my bike my baby um and it was okay. like it felt like uh, hey <laughs> that's, I, well, unnes- that's the unnecessary conne- the connection between you and your bike is a very special bond <laughs> that's fair that's there, fair. there's more on that to come um <laughs> But yeah, it's like you you kind of assign, I don't know, you get meaning in life from what you love, you know? And for me, that's riding bikes. Like I, ju- I just bought a new bike. Hopefully next weekend I'll be up at the bike shop uh, building it. Um, and like, it's an investment. It's not like cheap by any means, but it's like, it's an investment in yourself and it's an investment in your own well-being. Um, there's something about sitting on a bike for me, riding down the trail, riding down a hill, whatever you're going fast. It just feels like you're flying and you feel so free. And that's what I love. That's what I love. And that's what gives me so much life and energy to continue on with life in general. It's a break. It's a chance for me to escape, but also more, I think a better way to describe is just disconnect from the stresses and responsibilities of life and kind of get to your roots and and, and what you enjoy most. I don't want to get dark, but if if you didn't have your bike, you might, you might not continue. I hate to say it. (laughs) 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 Well, but, Okay, well, listen, on, on a, I want to touch on something Ian said because I love the language that you use in saying that your hobbies are an investment in yourself. I think that's a that's a really good way to to talk about it. I think that's a great way to picture, you know, doing the things that you do. Because I think, I feel, honestly, I think that, like, sometimes people feel guilty about it. You know, they're like, ah, oh, man, I'm doing this, but I should be 
working right now or I should be mm-hmm. doing this. And people, I think people feel guilty a lot of times and myself included when I'm doing something and I'm like, ah, like I could technically be working on something right now, but I love that with the way you said that, where it's, it really is an investment in yourself. It's an investment in your self care. It's an investment in, you know, being the most well-functioning person that, that you can be. And that's going to touch all the areas of your life. You know, when you do that, it's not going to, it's not, it's not going to just be good for you in your hobby. It's going to touch, you know, everything. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That that perspective just kind of breaks my heart when I see in other people, it's like, it's that mentality of you always have to be productive. And I think, I think productivity can have a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people. Um, but I think the most common one is, you know, you gotta be busy, you gotta be working, you gotta make money to be successful, to be happy. Um, for me, productivity is what adds to life, what adds to happiness, what adds to my own well-being. So I have, I have my work productivity where I, you know, I do my, my job every day of the week and I make money to survive. But also I have the productivity in my hobbies where it's time that I'm investing to better myself. And I'm fortunate enough, and this is something I've been contemplating a lot more recently, just so fortunate that a lot of my hobbies kind of contribute to my overall like physical health and and physical and mental well-being um so i think it's just kind of evaluating kind of i don't know maybe what what your definition of productivity is and 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 reevaluate um just kind of the essential day-to-day week-to-week activities that you spend doing I, i think it's important to really dig deep and find what you're passionate about and invest time in that and just take time for yourself in general and not just work, 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 work. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's, that's going to look different for, for every person. I definitely recognize that. I mean, we're not out here doing our leisure activities all the time every day. Cause you know, we have responsibilities and things and, and that level varies for people, you know, people have families, they have a lot less of that time, you know, to take for themselves than I have, or, you know, people who are having to, you know, work two jobs or, or anything like that. So definitely understand that, some people have more times, more time to do these things than others. Um, and it's just about finding some sort of space to, to make that investment in yourself as well as you can. And I'm definitely, I definitely lucky to have, have the ability to really, to really do that. Um, so I know it just looks different for everybody, but I still think it's just really, really crucial. I think at a high level, you could call a child really rearing a hobby. <laughs> if maybe I don't know if it's always a it's not probably not always a pleasurable experience but to an extent <laughs> well I don't know I think I think anything you do that like takes all your time and and something you really want to do could be a hobby so if you if you know if you really invest in your children I'm speaking from the complete blind <laughs> shooting from the hip here speaking, speaking as a father of four uh, <laughs> But I feel like if you were so invested in your children that you didn't have time, if you didn't have time to mountain bike or whatever you do, uh, that would like be that would be an effective hobby. I feel like raising your children, doing things with them, or helping them find things to do. That that reminds me of a little a little perspective that a friend of mine shared with me one time. Uh, my friend Nate, we were out uh, catching up, just a group of us out in Boise, and. He had recently had his first or his first daughter, and I asked like what that was like. Just curious from someone who's uh, you know a new father, 
And I'll never forget the response he gave me. He first <laughs> is an interesting initial response. I was curious where he was going with it to begin with. But as soon as I asked him, what's it like being a dad? What's it like bringing life into the world? Uh, he looked at me dead in the eyes. He said, what are you most passionate about? And I gave my answer. Like hey, He's like, hey, what are your hobbies? What do you care about most? What gives you life? You're like what, mountain what, biking. What do you have? That was one of my answers. It's like it's um, my child for me. No, so he it's asked another me, life. And, for me, for me, he, it's Benjamin. He, he, so, he, so he asked me. I answered seriously, honestly, and then he went around the circle, went around the table, asked everyone else, and then after everyone else had given their answer, he was like, "Okay, now imagine, as soon as you have your first kid." All of these things that you're so passionate about and so driven and gives you life, none of that matters because your number one priority now is for the well-being of your child. And that just like in that moment, the way he said it, the way he explained it, just like really put it into perspective in a way that I hadn't quite heard it. So I would completely agree with that. Raising a child is that becomes your life's mission at that point. But that just reminded me of that little story. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, I think it's a good point that, uh, yeah, there's some experiences I just haven't had that I can't really speak to, but also that, I mean, I have been talking about hobbies being like pleasurable activities, but you know, they're not always, I think it's more that they're like fulfilling uh, maybe not like that. You're always enjoying them. Um, but like, you know, sometimes it's frustrating sometimes when I'm, you know, you know, I also, I like to cook a lot and do things like that. And sometimes you screw up a meal and, and it sucks and you're like, you're kind of frustrated, but then like, you still enjoy doing it and you still find it to be, you know, fulfilling. So, but I think it's a good point that Tanner brought up that, you know, it's not always, um, or, you know, roundaboutly he brought up that it's, it's not always like, it's not always like your hobbies are always super. Yeah, it is. I mean, but it's not, it's not always, it's not always like hobbies can be frustrating as well. They're just something that is like fulfilling to you, I think is maybe a better word to use. I just want to take a moment to shout out all the dads who are listening right now. <laughs> this, one, this episode is for the dads. For the dads. Not for the boys, <laughs> but for the dads. For the dads. <laughs> Do you guys want to take a moment now to talk specifically about one? I know we've already said, talked a little specifics about what specifically you like doing, but would you like to talk about anything else you like doing specifically? Yeah, yeah. I mean... I've mentioned, I've mentioned a few of them in being, you know, poetry and, and cooking and things like that. Um, but yeah, just to, to know a little bit and, and basketball and sports. Um, another one that I guess I could mention, um, I'm sure you guys will enjoy is, um, I've it's kind of been kind of recently, but for a few years, um, obviously since I've been, since I've been 21 for sure, obviously, um, I've, I've picked up kind of like making course, cocktails and, and, and doing things like <laughs> doing things like that. Um, and for me, that's just like, that's just a fun thing to do, you know, to, um, to, to just find different recipes or even, you know, mix your own things. And, and I, I, I think there's a creative aspect of it for me. And also it, it's just, it's just enjoyable. So that's one other thing that I have definitely kind of been been using as a hobby for sure and it's also not very time consuming so that helps um with with all the other stuff that i do there there is 100 percent a creative element to cocktail mixing. oh the huge yeah huge you, you you patented 
your very own drink. <laughs> and you named it no. after yourself. No. <laughs> No, maybe we, we don't need to mention the uh, no, you know, no. said drink. No, no, no. We're tell telling the <laughs> recipe right now. That's a, that's a okay, secret I think, recipe. I, th I think the question we should address first before you give us the recipe is: the world ready? The world's not ready, and here's the problem: okay. is that's a very amateur cocktail recipe, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> from my younger years, I mean, obviously, just not too long ago, because since I was 21. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm 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 more sophisticated now. You know, I'm I'm doing greater things. Then can I share the drink if you don't? If you feel that you're too sophisticated can, now to share the no, drink, no, I'm just share I'm just kidding. I don't care. Yeah, you can share. Listen, people, if you're in need of a drink, dire need of a drink, and you don't really feel like going to a huge effort to make something, next time <laughs> try out Lukey Juice. It's cran cranberry pomegranate juice. How many parts? Um, honestly, right. I haven't. Honestly, I haven't made it in a long time. Depends on it, what it your really goal depends. is. Really depends on what your goal depends is. Depends what your goal is. But essentially, wanna, the ingredients yeah. are cranberry pomegranate, vodka, and ginger ale, and lemon lime juice. A little bit of lime juice, yeah. And the parts we leave up to you, depending on your goal. You got to read the room. But ultimately, <laughs> any combination the of the parts will work. I can say from experience, it's awesome. No matter the goal. I appreciate your uh, your shout out for my for my recipe. You're welcome. No, I, I think I think another important part of of you know the hobby of of drink mixing and stuff is really just the community behind it, right? Yeah, totally. Like it, it, it's it's really a way to bring people together in like yeah, one of the people. snobbiest communities ever. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, but it is true, and this is gonna sound really cheesy. But my favorite part of doing cocktails is like, is like when you hand it to somebody and they like it, and they're like, mm -hmm. they're like, they're like, damn, that's good. Like that is a really yeah. fulfilling part of it for me, uh, and I think that's with anything. Like when you make it, you're, you know, it doesn't even matter if I followed a recipe. If they think it's good, I'm still like, nailed it. You know, did it. You know, you perfect. Put, you I followed the exact recipe, but yeah, yeah. There's you some sort of like pleasure that you're like handing to them you know yeah, it's like something like you, that you put a smile on someone's face how powerful is that you're yeah. brightening their day even just a little bit <laughs> see i, I knew i knew tanner wouldn't be able to hold a straight face we talked i talked <laughs> about this with tanner the other day how whenever um something i don't know we were talking about something serious but things that are serious are maybe like um I don't know, like cliche, like cliche, but even if they're true, Tanner starts laughing every time. <laughs> his reaction is to smile and laugh. <laughs> it's like his his thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. What, would well, you this, not say it's true, though, Tanner? I was picturing this extremely genuine interaction where Ian hands someone a drink, they take a sip, look at him and smile, and then Ian's heart just bubbles, and he's like... Oh. <laughs> just, just give him the nod, and I get back to work. More or less, more or less, that's what it is, yeah. Have you ever given someone a drink, and they tell you it's terrible? Yeah, done that too. Well, I think heartbreaking. Yeah, at some point I told Ian it, I was giving him something non-alcoholic, and it I gave him something alcoholic, and, and he wasn't happy. And I died. Uh, <laughs> no, that those moments keep you humble, you know. That's right. Um, kinda keeps to, you working. Kind of jump off of that though. Another, I guess you could say one of my passions, I guess, is really just kind of fostering meaningful relationships and like connections with people in general. Rather, whether that's like friends, whether that's family, or even if that's just strangers. I've, I I kind of made this like rule for myself, for, I don't know, probably like junior, senior year, that every single person I talk to, even if they're a stranger, I speak to them as if 
I've been friends with them for years. And you'd be surprised how willing strangers are to talk to you and have like a legitimate conversation. Uh, senior year, I did this like little art project just for fun by myself. I think I had both of you guys participate. Um, I had a sketchbook and I would go up to people, start a conversation, and then I would ask if they wanted to contribute to my to my project, which was blind line drawings of a fox. And to kind of break that barrier, um, it was kind of a way to be like, get people to create, show them the importance of creativity, this and that, but also getting out of my comfort zone, talking to people that I didn't even know. So I had like family, friends contribute. I even had random people at coffee shops contribute. I had random people in Boise contribute. Um, And the reason why I had people close their eyes to draw is to kind of take away that expectation of perfection and show that like, it doesn't have to be good. The fact is that you're creating and just like the reactions and the conversation that came after that instance was just so fun, but I get so much life and happiness from like just chatting with people and treating everyone as friends. And like, I think there's this, this negative stigma that strangers are, 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 are bad. There's this expectation that you don't talk to people you don't know. Agreed. And like <laughs> stranger danger, give, give it a try though. Have like an, like an intimate conversation with like the person checking you out at the grocery store. And like ask them about their day and I have like a more personal conversation. I think that's just so, so life giving and just so fun. Ask someone their name, remember it next time you see them, catch them off guard because you remember their name. Like that fuels me and gives me so much life. I will yeah, say that one uh, of my passions. I and guess. your personal goal to treat people, even strangers as your friends. I will say I have noticed that for sure. That is not Ian joking. Yeah. No, and like I will, I will particularly just remember like when we were in Austria together, just the way we with our two kind of things we did where we were with, spent a lot of time with a someone from the country. Like it was almost immediate. Like you were just talking to them like you were their best friend, and it was like there was no stranger danger at all with you. It was just like immediately you're you've known each other for years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely definitely something I've obviously you know growing up with you you know noticed, especially in the last few years, your intentionality about that and bless you for doing that. I, I am not that sort of person. It's something I need to work on more, but you're, you're definitely much more socially uh, affluent than me. But I think the, uh, the part of the reason for that is because you do these things intentionally and you, you go out of your way to do them and that's how you become that way. Um, and, and become better at those things. So it's definitely yeah. something that I've, I've admired that you've done and that I need to do more because I'm the type of person who will just, you know, when I'm talking to, when I'm talking to somebody, I'll be very invested and I will, you know, and like the sort of thing where you're talking to the cashier at the grocery store, I definitely like to go past like just the surface level, like, Hey, how are you? You know, and then just go on. I like to have a little bit more of a conversation than that. But as far as like a, talking to strangers or people I don't know, like I'm totally fine with, you know, not doing it. And, and, and I just something I need to challenge myself on. So, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that really sold me on this whole, it really kind of started as like an experiment, like a social experiment to get myself out of my comfort zone and stuff. But the thing that really sold me to that is like kind of what I said before, just like the ability to just put even just a smile on someone's face for a second. And just like the fact that that we have this ability as people and, and and people on the same planet to like invest in each other and add a little more happiness 
into the world, even if it's just one small smile, that could that could cascade. That could have greater effects down the line for other people in in their day, and really just like spreading spreading positivity. I think one of my favorite recent run-ins with with that was I was driving down from one of the local ski resorts in Boise, Bogus Basin, and there's this like crazy huge storm, thunderstorm rolling through. The winds were crazy. It was knocking down trees, and we were driving down, and there was a tree that was across the Bogus Basin Road, which is super windy and pretty dangerous if you're not being careful. So we, we pulled out, and we started trying to break up this tree and get it off the road for other cars, and this lady came up behind us and asked if she if if we we wanted help and she had an axe and we did this together blah 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 and we got to talking with her and she's a geologist passing through and getting to know her and she she was one of the salty geologists she mad about uh oh did she mention (laughs) anything about california we we, we didn't we didn't really touch base on that that's that's sensitive uh conversation i didn't want to (laughs) <laughs> want to break into that but and we just got to talking and she was just passing through Boise so she was going to camp up on the mountain but the storm was so bad that uh we had reached out to her and see if she needed a place to stay she had gotten an Airbnb but we we're like hey what are you doing for dinner and we took her out to pizza that night and we just had pizza and a beer and we just chatted got to know a complete random stranger and her story and her life and it was so 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 life-giving and that's just something that you don't usually do you don't just ask strangers out if to pizza no i certainly talk don't. and it was so fun follow each other on instagram now when she's passing through she's gonna hit us up again and it's gonna be super fun catching up and really just making friends making connection and like spreading more positivity in the world that's what i'm passionate about my yeah. drop boom i can definitely say yeah. i've never approached that situation ever so do it that that you, that is my thoughtfully absurd challenge for this one. i challenge yeah, everyone to talk to, to a, a slice of boise pizza yeah take it's super it, take good, yeah. to pizza but no like I mean, legit like run across a stranger and like talk to them as if like I'm talking to Luke or I'm talking to Tanner, like talk to them as if they're a friend that you've known for years. And just as, just as an experiment, it's fun. It's good stuff. It's a little more stress inducing for some of us, but no, I totally agree. It's, it's a, it's a cool thing. It's a really Small cool steps. thing to do. I also love the the very like Idaho ness of that story, and that she just happened to have an axe with her. This person that you came across. It's, <laughs> yeah, seriously, is that like, not concerning oh, to you? Yeah. At all? yeah, I've got yeah. an axe. <laughs> let's go to let's go to pizza. She, she pulled up, rolled down her window. Do you guys need an axe? <laughs> we're like, we looked at each other. We were like, yes. That's There's hilarious. a blood-stained axe, but the situation. <laughs> She's like, I oh, don't worry about it. You chose not to question you. Like, we need an axe. I don't care what it was used for previously. We just need an axe right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one other thing I wanted to touch on. Tanner, do you have anything anything else you want to you want to talk about that that kind of works for you as as hobbies or in these ways? Sure. Yeah. Well, like I've already said, I make music now. Which is something ridiculous. But uh what, like if you if you followed me, like if you had a camera behind me, you're watching me in third person all day, you know exactly what my hobbies are. Cause I'm usually I'm doing basically two things. I'm either working on a song or I am working on an app I'm building. And especially if you knew me and I knew at the library, I was almost always at the <laughs> library working on an app. And I uh 
it's like sad. I, I spend all the time working on the apps, but I only have one in the store right now. I have an app called Hoop Stats. It's actually in the Android store called Hoop Stats, and in the iPhone app store, it's called Tanner's Stat Tracker. <laughs> but it nice. just got released today, just got approved. So it's in the Ooh. app store now. But that's something I do. And I don't, it's not quite as wholesome as Ian's hobby of connecting with people. But it is really fun to make, make apps. And my goal is kind of to make, make an app that a lot of people use. And this is, again, this doesn't sound very wholesome at all, but an app that makes money, not necessarily before the money, but just because of the, the fact that like, if an app makes money, it signals that it's actually useful and it's worthwhile. And I would be really cool. Like that's kind of my goal is to just find something, find some type of app I could make that would make, you know, maybe not enough money to just work on it full time, but just a little bit of a side hustle, I guess is what I kind of want to do with that. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time working on apps and a lot of time working on music. I won't get into specifics of app development because I don't think uh, <laughs> most people give a crap. But that, yeah, that's 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 the cool thing about hobbies. I think is that there's a lot of different ways to contribute to society, man, and everybody has their own way of doing that. I think, and it's very individual, um, depending on what your where your interests lie. And so, there's no right or wrong way to contribute with your hobbies. I think. I think there's just so many different different ways that you can contribute to society through them. And that's definitely like very evident in all three of ours being, being super different. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready to start the final segment? I think I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's get into it. What do you Roll got? Roll the transmission team? music. Hold on. Trans- transmission Transition. <laughs> Dang it. I think we've established from the first episode. I'm not good with words. So it's the language. <laughs> Let's get into that from the yeah, recording, please. I am. Let's get Thanks. into uh, our segment today, which is this is kind of narcissistic, narcissistic that I'm the one announcing it, but the segment is called Tanner's Music. Would you like me <laughs> to introduce it? Yeah, you introduce it. Yeah, all right. It's time for Tanner's Music. Now, there we go. Now first on the list for Tanner's Music, Luke was at my house recently and it was July 4th and we were waiting for our friends to get there. And in our boredom, we just started, Luke started talking about a song he had heard recently and a sound in particular that he liked in the song. And he thought that that sound would make a good beat. And so he asked me to try and recreate something. And so me and him went down to my studio, otherwise known as my room. <laughs> the studio um, room. <laughs> yeah. And started working on a song, not a song, really, just, it's really just a beat. It's just the start of a song really. And I'm going to play it for you right now. And Ian's the only one who hasn't heard this. So Ian, Really if, you got headphones, if you've got I'm headphones, ready. put your headphones on. Looking for your thoughts. You're going you're to love it. All right, here we go. Let's go. Okay. Okay, yeah. That's not that's, that's not bad. Song. Huh? So Luke's idea, like Luke, the 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 part that you probably noticed the most, the strings. It's called the instrument in this song. Is, it's called a moon string. It's from a, some sound pack I had, but it was from a song Luke heard that he kind of noticed that it was had an Asian string lead in it, and he kind of liked Love the sound that. of the Asian string. Love and so sound. we decided to try to make some song with an Asian sounding string in it. So I found this one and made a quick little beat to it. But yeah, the when we were making the song, I was telling him like, honestly, you can put any sound on top of like 
bass and a nice hat. No, kick, no, no, no. Snare Listen, combo and it always sounds good. This took a lot of skill from Tanner. This is not replicable. This was yeah. a difficult process. All right. I watched him do this. This was a master at work. He took the simplest of ideas from me and turned it into that beautiful sound you just heard. A true prodigy. Mm -hmm. That's a complete <laughs> song. We, you could play that sound for three minutes and no one would get bored. That's right. That perfect. <laughs> All right. The next song I have is a song I made for a little music production course I took, a little 30-day short little crash course. I'm not going to play the whole song. I'm actually not even sure where I'm going to stop it, but... Uh, the key thing to take away from the song is that all the sounds in the song were gathered from my house, from me going around and hitting things or poking things or slapping things and recording it with my iPhone. And then I turned it into a song. And here is that song. I'm going to cut it there. You get the idea. I'm I'm going to jump into another one of Ian's creativity rants. Okay, what? Kind of what I was saying before about creativity giving you giving you new eyes for we the world around you. We should make this a segment. <laughs> okay, now Ian's for the next segment, Ian's rant. creativity rant. Uh, so I assume, I'm going to try and, try and imagine this from your perspective. Before that song, you probably just looked at your kitchen, your house, has nothing more than your kitchen, your house. When you had this next, this purpose, this mission in mind, you probably started looking about your home as a musical instrument rather than just simply being a room full of objects. And that is like giving you a radically different perspective on your surroundings. And how freaking fun is that? <laughs> You're honestly not wrong <laughs> at all. Right? Like, no, I, sure, 100%. Sure, when I was right? gathering these sounds, I was just looking around at everything and I didn't see them for what they were at all. Like I was looking at my toaster and my oven and my stove and I was not like, I wasn't thinking of them as stoves. I was thinking of in what way can I manipulate this thing into being a musical sound? And so you are right. I, it changed the way I looked at my house. And it gives you so much more of an appreciation for like the seemingly mundane, generic household objects. Yeah, bro, I love my knives. What are you talking about? I love those things. <laughs> did you catch the knife, the knife noise in there? I heard the knife the noise. I did that time. I yeah. I think I did. That was dope. Also, like that Jess's voice was in there because she happened to be in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I asked her to go, ah, for me. And <laughs> you asked you asked her to, to do what, sir? <laughs> ah. <laughs> But so that was a fun song. It's not really a complete song in my eyes because it's pretty short. I think I, there's only a little bit more that I didn't play. But the song almost exclusively features that doof, 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 doof yeah. noise. Yeah. And so if I wanted to kind of make it a more finished song, it would feature a little more variety. But it is hard finding noises in your house and finding a way to connect them in a meaningful way. But that was what I discovered. Was that, uh, that was what I was able to come up with. But I have what's, one last. Oh, sorry. Continue. Oh, no, no. I was I was going to ask what your next musical endeavor is going to be. 
Okay, well that but perfect I can ask transition. After this next song. No, no, perfect transition <laughs> because that. I'm gonna. The next song is just gonna be a teaser of my next full song that will probably get released in the Ooh, next yeah. week or two. There's a few parts I have to finish up, but this is just uh, the beginning of my newest song. Here we go. Verse. Ooh, I like the man. rest of the song comes out soon. Wow. Shoot. I mean, you, you, that's and that's just Tanner's natural voice as well. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that was no auto tune there. He didn't actually auto tune that at all. That was <laughs> all, all natural. A, some some skill, a really impressive skill he has. <laughs> Honestly, true story about recording that verse is the first time I tried to record it, even with auto tune. There was a moment where I sat there in my closet because that's where I record my vocals. And I was sitting there in my closet and I was like, I don't know if it's possible for me to record a vocal that sounds even kind of okay. Because just I, I don't have that first recording, but the first time I sung it, it was so bad. Even with auto-tune and everything, it still sounded abysmal. Not that that one is like amazing, but at least that one is like passable. Like you'd be like, okay, this guy kind of knows how a song works. But the first time I sung it, it was not even close to like being a musical piece at all. And so it was, it's kind of a thing. Luke might kind of know because he recorded vocals with me on one song, but... And Ian might know because he has been in music for his whole life, but especially with singing, yeah. like at first However, it was so hard. I, I, I am very You've never I'm sang, classically though. trained. So. Yeah, <laughs> classically trained. <laughs> but singing is we'll something where we'll I was like, <laughs> singing was like super hard at first is like impossible. And then as you just keep, I guess like anything, if you keep doing it again, you realize that it's not actually impossible to do. And I still, you know, have uh, miles to go in terms of singing, but I was able to get, <laughs> I was able to get 20 seconds of decent voice out of me to let auto tune do the rest of the work and make it sound it's okay. It's all about breath support. It's all about breath support. Do you know, uh, uh, do you know, the, do you know Hobo Johnson, the musician? No. Uh, that last song was giving me major Hobo Johnson vibes. You should check it out. <laughs> you trying to rip off Hobo Johnson, bro? No, 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 no. At least give him the credit. Hey, no, 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 no. Go, go, ch- go check out Peach Scone and Super Cross Trek. Peach Scone. <laughs> oh Those my gosh. He has, he has songs called Peach Scone and Super Cross Trek. Yeah. yeah, go check it out. Go check it out. Oh he, he probably he looks exactly like you, doesn't he? Ian? He does a lot of like spoken word type music as well. Oh, but yeah, okay. it gave me those vibes. I think you'd like it. Sea Dog cool. is obsessed with them, rightfully so. Hey, okay. I'm I'll a big fan. It it's very different, I will warn you. It's very unique, but I like unique. You're saying that my sound, my song was a very unique sounding no. sound? Well, yes, it was, but I was referring to Hobo yeah. Johnson. Anyways. Nobody can match we, your voice, bro. We Nobody. are in no way sponsored or affiliated with Hobo Johnson. We love I Hobo just, Johnson. I just am copying him. him. Well, so, yeah. Tanner, thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing your, your music with us I for yeah. one am a huge fan of the first beat I watched you do your work and it was impressive even though you say it's not I thought it was impressive I know that you're not that far into the music thing but Don't I appreciated it short. honestly so yeah I watched you make some magic out of one instrument sound that I asked yeah. you to give me and I know, know it's not that much work. but still know yeah. your worth 
but anyway, anyways, um, guys, we hope that you enjoyed our, our discussion about, um, our hobbies. I know that probably in further episodes that we'll get into a little bit more about our, our careers and, and our passions for those. You definitely see some of that coming out in, in talking about our hobbies, but, um, we hope this helped you get to know a little bit more about us and you'll learn more about our jobs and our careers and what they mean to us in, in later episodes. Um, but we'd love to hear about your hobbies, kind of how they, how they serve a purpose for you and, and some of the ways that you see yourself practicing skills through your hobbies that you can put into your everyday life. Um, if you liked, if you liked the episode, please go like, subscribe, comment, whatever you can do on these. I don't even, you know, on every platform, it's different. Follow. I don't know. All the things. Um, we'd appreciate it. And as always, send in your, your feedback. Do you guys have anything else you want to, you want to add? No, I'm completely burnt. Tanner's, Tanner's um, done. He's spoken too many words. Let me think of something. You got one more creative um, rant. Um, yeah. oh gosh. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. I don't want to take up any more time. I'd probably feel the rest of this, uh, the next hour or two just rant if I started up. That's again. true. Yeah, that's true. We'll uh, so, we'll save it hey, for the for the next time. Stay tuned for for the next segment of Ian's creative rants. Oh, there will be there will be plenty plenty more, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Um, until next time, take some time to get to know yourself and others. <laughs>